here's your host, Evan Shepard. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you back to another episode of the Race Rat Podcast. And in today's podcast episode, we're going to be talking about simplified investing. So if you're new to the podcast, welcome. On this podcast, we basically talk about how you can take the money that you have saved, earned, or plan to invest and invest it in the stock market. And uh, from there, slowly over time, be able to create the social and financial freedom that you desire and eventually, hopefully, keep in mind um this is called the race rat podcast the goal is to escape the rat race i guess um so if you're new i would really appreciate it um if you left a five-star rating and an awesome review that's what helps the podcast grow and that's what helps it get on to the charts on apple and spotify to um hopefully spread this information i guess with as many people as possible i would also really appreciate it if you find something useful in this podcast episode if you would share it with somebody who you feel needs to hear it but in this episode i want to take um a minute to talk about the current like climate of investing and i want to i want to ha- say some things that i've noticed especially in the past couple months and um and really explain why I don't agree with it and why investing really needs to be simplified um, because it's going to be for people's own good. So in this episode, I want to cover the sort of rise of teenagers, college students, and Robinhood investors in investing. Um, Granted, okay, I fit into that category. All right, I'm a 20-year-old college student, soon to be 21 next week, um, and I am a college student. I have used Robinhood before, um, but there's just a different dynamic about it. Um, I don't necessarily consider myself uh, part of that crowd because I'm a very um, long-term oriented type of investor. I don't trade options. I sell options occasionally. Um, and I'm just really not interested in that fast money stuff because I don't think it's actually practical or sustainable. But I want to talk a bit about this college student stimulus check, uh, Robin Hood, TikTok investing world that has arisen as a result of uh, the market in the past year or so. Um, and that world, I guess, consists of people who basically took some money that they have they threw it into options probably within the last six months because the market has just been on a tear. They probably made a decent amount of money on some sort of Apple or Tesla or one of those other crazy stocks that did a lot this year. And they turned, you know, a small amount into say ten or twenty thousand or something. And they've got this aura about them now that makes them think that they are Um, educated enough or qualified enough or successful enough or have enough in their bank account to be able to be a really great investor. And that's not to say that they can't, right? But I do want to point out that this was attained through a very high risk and speculative bet. Okay, This wasn't a Bill Ackman hedge where he made 100 times his money because he placed a proper hedge on his investments. This isn't, you know, Warren Buffett going all in on Apple calls, right? The most successful investors in the world have been the ones that understand that derivatives products are usually the most harmful thing ever. 
but the reason people are attracted to derivative products like options are because they have the potential to turn a little bit into a lot. And for every one person that is successful, there's probably a thousand people that aren't, but nobody ever sees a thousand people that aren't because nobody ever wants to post that kind of thing, right? Um, so you have this entire Reddit community, Wall Street Bets, you have Facebook groups, you have all these people that have basically overtaken the options market because it's a lottery mentality, right? There's statistically been shown that low-income families spend over four, 30% of them spend over $400 a year on lottery tickets. Why? Because it is the opportunity to turn a little bit of money into a lot of money. Because the idea of turning a little bit into a little bit more into a little bit more until it turns into a lot of money is something that is highly unattractive to people that are impatient or people that feel it is unattainable for them. So we have this new era of investing, right? You have people on YouTube, you have people on TikTok, you have people on Instagram, you have people on Reddit that think because they had one highly risky speculative bet that paid off for them that they are now qualified to be successful in the financial world. And I really think, um, truthfully, there's a lot of um, egotistical people that have been created as a result of this market in the past year or so. Um, Because I'm sure most of you have heard this quote before, but um, Paul Tudor Jones says it. um, Let me look it up real quick. Um, I think it has to do something with about uh, never having an ego. Let me look it up real quick. Don't have an ego. Always question yourself and your ability. Don't ever feel that you're very good. The second you do, you are dead. And I think that is very, very true. But this market has created a ton of egotism in people. Um, People feel that they're very good. They don't question their ability. Um, but this market is different because it's not like, you know, if we're talking about sentiment, this market, um, would be like peak euphoria, but that's just not the underlying fundamentals of the market right now. So people are getting away with it and they probably will get away with it for the next two years or so at least. Um, but if you're really here to try and create sustainable financial freedom, um, you have to be sustainable in the first place and you have to do strategies that are sustainable in the first place. That's not my job to tell you, right? As I mentioned, I'm a college student. I'm going to school to become a financial advisor or a financial planner, right? I'm not qualified for any of this. All of this is educational entertainment purposes, solely my own opinion. But I do feel that people that are in the markets right now can understand what I'm talking about. There's this huge rise of stimulus check, um, day traders, whatever you want to call it, it's become cool to try to make a lot of money really quickly. And that's always becomes cool in times of economic uncertainty, right? Everybody joins a pyramid scheme when they're not so certain about their job. Everybody wants to get into the stock market when they feel like it's only going to go up and stay this way forever. The reality is, is it's not so what, what is happening right now? People are trying to pick the next big thing, right? People are trying to pick the next big thing. 
they are trying to find the next Bitcoin, right? So they're putting a lot of their money into Ethereum because they want to play the catch-up game. They feel like they missed Bitcoin, so they're going to buy Ethereum. People feel like they missed out on Tesla, so they're going to buy Neo. People feel like they missed Amazon, so they're going to buy Shopify, right? But there is something inherently wrong with that. Why? Because the biggest company in those sectors will do drastically better than the second best. Your job as an investor is not to find the next big thing. Again, that plays into this sort of lottery mentality that you have to turn a little into a lot in order to find and in order to do so, you need to do this crazy intense amount of research into the things that you're investing so that you can find quote unquote the next big thing. But the best performing stocks ever continue to be the leaders of their sectors. If you wanted to um, buy smartphones, you should have bought Apple, not Samsung or um, HTC or BlackBerry, right? You should have bought Apple. And had you diversified a little bit into the second best or you went all in on the second best with whatever your position sizing or allocation was going to be, you would have severely underperformed the best one. Now, you can sit here and argue with me that uh, you could you could have bought Apple when BlackBerry was the hit. But let's be honest here and not lie to ourselves about that. No, you wouldn't have. You could sit here and tell me that you're going to buy Jumia or Mercado Libre because you want to find, or C-Limited, because you want to find the next big e-commerce stock. Or you could have just bought Amazon and made 70% this year. Right? You could tell me that you want to break in to the social media sphere and capture the next big thing. You could have bought Pinterest or Snapchat, or you could have bought Facebook. Right? I want to stress the importance of simplified investing because. To me, in this market, the biggest sign of an amateur, and I'm not saying that I'm a professional, by the way, but I am saying the biggest sign of somebody who is an egotistical um, investor or the biggest sign of somebody that doesn't actually know what they're really talking about is incredible depth of explanation. So what do I mean by that? I mean, you can tell the inexperience of an investor based on how long it takes for them to explain things to you, right? What's a, what's a new, un- inexperienced, unprofitable trader or investor going to tell you? Well, if you, talk, if you start talking about um, electric cars in that sector, what are they going to tell you? Oh, I invested in NEO because of this hydronucleothermic uh, gigadynamic hydroculator 
that is supposed to reduce mileage by 12% um, and reduce emissions by this much. And for that reason, it's not priced into the stock and the technology has the opportunity to become a $4 billion market just based on the technology themselves. And once they distribute it and start um, leasing it or wholesaling it to other electric car vehicles, they're going to have a $4 billion in revenue year-over-year stream of income. Right? What does that tell you? Let's, let's, let's think about this critically for a moment. That's called rationalizing. That's somebody having to explain their position in great detail because they don't have confidence. So what do they do? They tell themselves that all this technology and this thing has potential to do this, has potential to do that. And therefore, that is their reason investing in it. But if you were, say you were going to invest in Tesla, right? Do you have to tell me about this hydrothermonucleic um, gigadynamic hydroculator? Or can you just tell me that elect- that Tesla makes the best electric vehicles by far? A real investor would tell you the second one. A real investor doesn't have to go through hoops to explain to you their reasoning behind a position. And there's a firm belief that if you can't explain to me your position in, a, in a one sentence, you don't know why you're in it. I'll go through my positions right now in my long-term portfolio and give you two seconds, basically not two seconds. I will explain all of them in two seconds in one sentence because I have it simplified. I don't need to go through the balance sheets of B-class companies to, you know, make a great rate of return. I go and I pick the best in their field. That's it. So I'll, I'll go through my long-term investments right now. SPY. Top companies in the world. Berkshire Hathaway. Best investor of all time. Disney. Greatest media of company of all time. Rocket Mortgage. Biggest mortgage com- company. Silver. Clean energy utility. That's literally my reasoning for my long-term investing portfolio. You don't hear me talking about Um, you know, I'm invested in Berkshire because it's well diversified in a variety of bank stocks and Apple. You don't hear me talking about silver because it has to play the catch-up game to gold. It doesn't have to do that at all. It might. It outperformed gold this year, but it might not, or last year, but it might not this year. You don't hear me talking about Rocket Mortgage and how I think uh, you know, Redfin and all these online brokerages are going to give access to more online real estate transactions and Rocket's going to be a medium of exchange to pre-qualify for mortgages over the internet, right? Like, I'm not giving you these really detailed examples. I'm giving you the examples. I'm giving you my positions. And every single one of those positions is because they are the top in their field. I'm not interested in finding the next thing when I have access to the real thing. That's being inexperienced. That's being naive. If you think you're going to find the next Apple or the next Tesla or the next Amazon, your chances are severely stacked against you. And if you feel like you missed the boat and you're going to go and find the B-class company that doesn't have as big as a market share, that doesn't have the best product, but you think the stock has a chance of catching up, 
I can almost guarantee you that that is probably a losing investment. So what is what has been a result of all of this? Well, people don't understand that. People think and people are obsessed with finding the next big thing. And I think it's for basically what I explained earlier. Egotism. They want to say that they were uh, for social clout, that they were the ones that bought in early. Uh, number two, they feel like it validates their... Um, their ability, I guess. Oh, I caught this stock at the lows, so now I'm a qualified investor because I saw this and Buffett didn't see it or Dahlia didn't see it or whatever you want to call it, didn't see it. So therefore, I am a good investor because even the best didn't see it. And three, they think it's um, a way to get rich quick. But I can promise you, had you bought the best companies in the sector that you are referring to, you would do incredibly well. Why? Because if the sector does well, then the best company is going to do outrageously better than the second best company. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. Like I mentioned, the number one sign to me of somebody that is naive about investing is a huge thesis rationale behind why now i think having a a thesis behind the overall market is different personally i think we're on the verge of one of the greatest bull markets and my reasoning for that is because of healthcare and energy and the technology that is going to fuel those i think healthcare is going to be the biggest and most important companies in the world in 30 years because life expectancy is going to go up crazy especially if you have companies that learn how to treat Alzheimer's and dementia and cancer and leukemia and Parkinson's, you cannot tell me that solving those problems is not a $5 trillion company. They just are. It's the most valuable thing in the world is life. Clean energy. Uh, No, I'm not going to tell you that uh, you should invest in fuel cell or plug power or Tesla or NEO. But I can make a general thesis that if the Middle East can find a way to become to transition from oil to solar or other forms of clean energy, then that entire region is going to be one of the wealthiest places to live in the entire world. Because if you can grab a resource that is so big like that and monetize it, you're going to increase the GDP, that's going to increase people's quality of life, and it's going to build tremendous wealth in those areas, the ones that capitalize on it. Ones I'm looking at in particular are Saudi Arabia and Israel. Those are just the two most developed Middle Eastern countries, and Israel is doing some incredible things when it comes to medicine and clean energy. Saudi Arabia is the biggest energy country in the world, and they are also finding a way to monetize to more clean energy. So I have a general thesis about the market and why I think the market is bullish, right? But when it comes to investing in anything other than the broad market, right? Like, why do you you think most people and 95% of hedge fund managers don't beat the S&P? It's because they're, they're, they're bottom picking. They're trying to find the next company. They're speculating on the next big thing. The thing that they can 
the thing that shows that it might be growing faster than Amazon, so they buy into it. But the stock doesn't move that way, right? Because who wants to buy the worst company, right? You buy the S&P, you're buying the top companies in, in the entire public world. And those companies are going to benefit from just pure economic growth, especially in their particular sectors. And what I mean by sector is, you know, maybe like real estate is one, energy is another, tech is another, or maybe you want to divide up tech from uh, e-commerce to, you know, just products like Apple. Um, health is another, right? Like there's, there's so many different sectors, right? But you can assume that the best company in those sectors is the one that is going to benefit the most out of the sector growing. And that's basically how I do my kind of investments, right? I think if the sector has a lot of potential, then you got to own the best in the sector because that's the one that is going to do the best. I see this obsession over media right now, right? So I bought Disney. Yeah, Disney doesn't have a social network, but I think Disney's just the best media company. So I bought it and it's done pretty well for me over the past couple of years. It's really important that I just emphasize that this sort of market environment isn't going to remain and it's not sustainable. Okay. What we're experiencing right now is a huge influx of naivety. Naivety? Naivety? Not really sure. We see a lot of people with big egos because they think they can make a lot of money now. We see a lot of people who believe that the current condition of the market is how the market always is because they're not experienced. And we believe and people see through social proof that people have previously turned a little bit of money into a lot, taking high-risk options, speculative derivatives place. And so there's a bit they're naive to the idea that it's a lot of risk and that it's very unlikely that that happens to them. And they kind of put themselves in this lottery mindset for their entire lives that if they can just, just turn a little bit into a little bit or into a lot, then they'll start doing things properly. That was me, right? I just, I realized when I started investing, I didn't have a ton of money. So I wanted to turn a little bit of money into a lot. So I started like trading Bitcoin and uh, options and all this sort of stuff Um, because I was like, if I can just get one right, then I'll do it properly. But then I realized that I would be spending my entire life just trying to get it right once. And if I did get it right once, why would I not try to do it again and turn it into more again? It's a downward spiral. And I had to give myself a reality check that I needed to be more patient because if I had spent my life just trying to turn a little bit into a lot, soon enough I would get to an age where I would still be trying to turn a little into a lot. And had I turned a little into a little bit more into a little bit more, I would be at the goal that I wish I was at by turning a little bit into a lot. That was a big reality check for me. And ever since then, I have done extremely well in the markets because it put me and it forced me into a headspace where I had to simplify my investing and I had to 10 times understand that it was going to take 10 times longer than I had hoped for 
And I had to stop lying to myself that I could do it quicker. I had to get rid of that ego that a lot of people have right now. I'm not criticizing those people because I was that person two years ago. But I am trying to save anybody that is currently in that sort of framework right now to like heed a warning, I guess. Simplify your investing. Don't shoot for the moon. Shoot for the market average. If you had 10 grand and you made like 20% a year and you added 200 bucks a month, now 20% a year is a lot, right? Let's not be naive here. But I, I just want to explain this. You could keep trying to spend, you know, turn 10,000 into a million through trading options. Or you can turn 10,000, buy the S&P, or buy an array of companies that you think can perform at 10 to 20% a year and add 200 bucks a month and you would have $32 million by the time you're 65. Now, like I said, 20%, that is a lot. But with compound interest, right, the people that bought uh, the S&P 500 back below 2000 are going to be making 20% a year for the rest of their life now because the market has doubled and then it'll gain 10% a year. That is how wealth is created through that compounding effect. You doubled your money once and now it's going to make 10% on your doubled money. That's how you make 20% a year. Those people that bought the S&P below 2K and have held it are the ones that are going to be making a ton of money not the person that is buying call options on Tesla. Because you know what? That person is going to keep buying call options on Tesla and they're going to keep going all in and they're going to keep trying to expand their wealth and get greedy. And one time it's not going to work. And that's going to be a very, very sad day for that person because it's not going to be until that person loses money that they're going to realize had they not done that and they had held what they had um, in shares that they would have created generational wealth later down the line. Investing is about picking the best companies, not not doing a ton of digging and trying to find the next one. It's about owning a share of the best ones. Why would you ever sell the best company in that sector or better yet the world? You just shouldn't. It's about investing in the best companies and allowing their growth and their compound interest to help you. It's not about trying to prove that you're super smart or that you have a really good big ego or that you have the ability to find the next turnaround stock because all of that all of that is just looking for social validation. That's all just looking for people to go, wow, he must be so smart if he recognized that before. Wow, she must be a really good investor if she invested in Tesla back at 300. Yeah, but did you hold? Did you lose it all trading options? Was it dumb luck? I have no idea. Right, I can tell you right now, the person that invested in Tesla at 300 and held their shares is probably a better investor than I am. But that was a pretty, you know, if they had the thesis that Tesla made the best electric cars or the best cars in general, yeah, I would say they're a better investor than, than me and most people. Right, but you have people now that are taking outlandish risk because the market has been pretty much continuously rewarding it. And you have people that are trying to make, to get rich really quickly. You have people that are being naive. You have people that are basically embodying themselves in this just egotism. 
And I can tell you right now that the market will not remain this way forever. I'm not saying there has to be a correction. I'm not saying that the market's going to crash and go to zero like every YouTuber instigates to get views. I'm not going to tell you that this is the end of the world monetary system because it's not. But I can tell you that there will be a point at some point in time where the market goes sideways and options contracts expire or Tesla corrects 20% and options contracts expire or the you know we get into a war with a certain country and things are bleak for a little bit right there are going to be those times and the only people that get away from those times without losing it all and with maybe a few scratches and an opportunity for the future are the ones that understand it's about long-term investing. So I hope this episode was interesting to you. It was really, really important to me and something I wanted to get off my chest because I cannot go on social media without somebody thinking that they know everything about the market. I know basically nothing about the market, truthfully. There's so much I don't understand. There's so much I don't understand about the market. I can read as much as I want. And I can try to build this sort of database of knowledge in my head about the markets. But I just don't know a lot of things. I cannot invest in a, cl- in a cloud service company because I don't know what the cloud is. It's just the cloud to me. right? I don't understand SAAS. I can't understand what mortgages are though. I can't invest in NEO. Because I just I just don't see it. I understand it's an electric car company, but who cares? I can invest in Berkshire Hathaway because I know they get paid outrageous dividends from the the banking institutions, and it's led by the two greatest investors duo of all time. I really think if a lot of people took an approach that Buffett and Lynch did and Dalio did, they would do outrageously well in the long term. But the long term, and the most important thing about the long term, is understanding that you know nothing, including myself, and to have the patience and and the courage to go through those stomach uh, stomach wrenching market corrections, and have the patience to like not sell your stock when it's been sideways for two years. And I think if you can really, you know, if as long as you feel like that's the best company for you. You can do outrageously well. And, and and it really simplifies investing to where you don't have to do a lot. So I hope this episode was interesting. If it was, please share it with somebody who you feel needs to hear it. Thank you all so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to another kick-ass episode of the Race Rat Podcast. Make sure to leave an awesome review and follow us on social media if you enjoyed. Now get off your phone because it's time to work.